0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at oursaviorschurch.com. If you're taking notes this morning, feels like this afternoon, but this morning, the title of my message is very simply this, rolling stone rolling stone how many of y'all are thankful that that stone rolled on that that sunday morning well we're going to look today at a passage from 1 corinthians chapter 15 and then we're going to go to matthew's gospel so we're going to look at uh, a little bit of paul a little bit of matthew but all for the purpose of uh, learning more about who jesus is and what he pulled off on that Sunday morning, but if you will, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to have all the scriptures up on the screen as always, so if you don't have your Bible, all good. But uh, if you're ready to hear the word, say ready. ready. If you're really ready, say ready. ready. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, here's what the apostle Paul writes. He said, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than, how many? 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, that is, they've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also, Paul writes, to me. Now, do you see what's going on in this brief passage? Do you see what Paul's trying to get across? He said, I delivered to you that which was of first importance, meaning there were were a lot of things that Paul could have shared. There are a lot of things I could share today. But he said, I delivered to you what was of first importance. At the front of the line was this, the gospel. Everybody say gospel. Y'all know what gospel means? It means literally means good news. And so Paul, Paul is speaking here of the good news, specifically of Jesus Christ. And Paul makes it real simple here, at least I think he does, because he outlines what the gospel involves. And it's really, well, three things, but I'm gonna add a fourth that's usually left out. Number one, Paul says that, that Jesus died. How many of y'all are thankful he died for you? Five of y'all. How many of y'all are thankful he died for you? Are y'all with, me? okay, yeah, I know, I know, I'm just teasing with you. But, but Jesus died. But Paul says that that Jesus was buried, he was buried. Now oftentimes we just skip over that, but I'm gonna preach that like a man from another planet today, because that's important. But he he died, Jesus died, everybody say he died. He He was buried. buried, and he rose. And we all get that one, don't we? We're all excited about that one. But there's another element here that's often left out, Paul includes it, we leave it out, and it's the fact that Jesus appeared. So let's do it one more time, he died. He was buried, he rose, and then he what? And then he appeared. This is what Paul proclaimed. This was the good news that he declared. Now, as I was thinking about this, I I believe that most, if not all of you here would agree that all that I've just summarized is very, very good news. Would y'all agree with that? It's very, very good news. The greatest news, would you agree with that? But, But let's be honest, let's be honest. You don't have to answer out loud. Sometimes the good news of Jesus Christ can become to us old news. And what I mean by that is that we can be so accustomed to hearing it that we're waiting for the, yeah, but what else? Like, let's move on, right, me right, can say well, we got that, but like, what else? <laughs> How many of y'all know there's nothing else. Like Jesus is the gospel. God is the gospel. And of course there's more to talk about, but we have to understand that this is of first importance. This isn't something that you just get saved by and then move on to other things. It's not just something you celebrate once or maybe twice a year and then go back to your business. The gospel reminds us that God loves us the devil hates us, that sin had mastery over us, but does so no longer because Jesus died, because Jesus was buried, and because Jesus rose. So we have to fight, don't we, to make sure that the good news doesn't become old news. We have to make sure that we keep this at the forefront of our thinking, that we remind ourselves daily that this is the most important message we will ever hear. And it can become old, but it doesn't have to. We fight to keep it on our front burner. It's the most important message that we live by, the most important message we could ever hear. But the good news, according to Paul, as mentioned, is that first of all, Jesus died. Jesus died. How many of y'all had a good Friday? Let me see your hands. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all had, a, raise your hand if you had a bad Friday. Some of y'all are lying, I'm not raising my hand for nothing. Raise your hand if you had a good Friday. Like not good, it was good Friday, but raise your hand if you had a, like, you had a good Friday. Okay, you had some people over, you had some good good food. Come on, Cajuns, y'all better raise your hand, get active. Well, you had a good Friday, but how many of y'all know, when we celebrate Good Friday, we're thinking back to Jesus, who I promise did not have a good Friday. It was, it's good for us for a number of reasons, but how many of y'all know, in the natural, it wasn't good for him? And by that, I mean, y'all know the story, Jesus lived a perfect life, and then, it, then on that Friday, he was beat, he was whipped, he was scourged, he was handed over, and Jesus died on a Roman cross the worst possible way someone could die. But it wasn't just to die, he died so that you could live. He was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. He was, he was left to die so that we could live so that we can have the forgiveness of sins so that we can live in the presence of God forever it's good for us but it was bad for him does that make sense of course it does but even in even in that dark moment Jesus knew what he was doing and in the flesh it wasn't good meaning it hurt him but the Bible says for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and is sat down at the right hand of God the Father on high so Yeah, it's a a paradox. It was bad, but it was good. (laughs) It was good, but it was bad. But, But Paul says that it was on that Friday that Jesus paid for our sins, that he died for us so that we can be forgiven. The bad news is that because of our sin, we all deserve, we all deserve death and hell. Now, don't point to anybody that you're thinking about in here that does, because you all do. We all do. Because of sin, because we've all rebelled against God, the penalty of that is death and hell. How many of y'all are thankful that you you don't get what you deserve? The bad news is that's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. But when Jesus went up on the cross, he suffered, and right before he died, he uttered these words. It's one in Greek, three in English. To tell us, die, he said, "It is finished." He didn't say, "You are finished." you are done in, that you are destroyed. He said, it is finished. What was finished? The work of redemption, the work of your salvation. He did the work that you could never do. He ran the race, he won, he won the battle and he did so by willingly allowing himself to be defeated by the Romans and the Jews on the cross so you can have victory. I mean, think about that. Talking about confounding the wise. That's what he did for us. He said, so listen carefully. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you still sin. Hopefully you don't plan on it. But in Christ, you have forgiveness of sins for everything you've done, for everything that you will do. When you sin, there's a fountain open at Calvary that you can go to. You confess your sins and he is faithful to cleanse you. Not just when you get saved, but throughout your life, every day that you need it, God provides it. How many of y'all know that's the greatest news? That's the greatest news that can... They can be proclaimed concerning this Friday and what happened on it. Man, I could just preach for three hours just on the cross, but it's Sunday, so I got to move on. But how many of y'all are thankful for what happened on Friday? Friday was a good day because Friday was payday. Friday was payday. And Friday is good, of course, from our perspective, because we know the, the rest of the story. We're on this side of it all. We can look back and we're like, oh yeah, that was good. But... For the disciples, Friday was a bad day because Jesus died that day and was buried in a tomb later that day where he remained in that tomb through Saturday. Listen to how Matthew describes the burial of Jesus. Matthew 27, 57 through 61. Here's what Matthew says. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus, He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud. Listen to these next words carefully. And laid it in his own, what? In his own new, what? Tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Now typically when someone was crucified on a Roman cross, they would take the body down and discard it, discard of it. And then wild dogs would tear it apart. They didn't care what happened to the body because it was a criminal that died. That's the way the Romans treated those bodies. But here we we just read that there was a man who was rich. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. And he was not only rich in resources, but apparently he was rich with respect. In Jesus and to who he was. He was rich in honor, rich in, in love, rich in honor. Not just rich in resources, but rich with honor for Jesus. We're told that Joseph he he requests uh, that the body be given to him. He takes the body, and we're told here that he wraps the body. He takes care of Jesus' body. We're told in John's Gospel that a man named Nicodemus, who came to Jesus, if you remember back in John 3, he came to Jesus by night. Well, that same Nicodemus comes again to Jesus by night. That is, in the darkness of this hour, at the time of Jesus' death, which how many of y'all know, that's a picture of what a real good true friend looks like. Those who are with us in the nighttime seasons of life. Those who are with us in our darkest hour. Hey, you might have a lot of followers on Facebook, but if you've got this many who are with you through the dark seasons of your life, you are really blessed. Can I get an amen? But here Jesus, he had two. <laughs> he had Nicodemus. According to John's gospel and Joseph of Arimathea, according to Matthew's gospel, Joseph takes the body, wraps the body, places the body in the tomb, in his own tomb, and then he rolls the stone at the entrance of the tomb. And why did he do that? Well, I mean, we can list a couple different reasons, but primarily for this. For this reason, he wanted to show Jesus the proper honor and respect that he deserved. How many of y'all know he deserved, Jesus deserved that type of burial? He deserved that honor, and Joseph of Arimathea gave it to him, rolled the stone, secured the tomb, so that wild animals could not get into the tomb and desecrate the body of Jesus. How many of y'all know Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man, but he was also a very good man. Jesus is buried, buried, so to speak, in the tomb, behind the stone. And it looks like it looks like the tomb is secure, and perhaps it was from some people's perspective, but apparently not according to everyone's. Listen to what Matthew goes on to say. Listen carefully, this is profound. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 62. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said this. Sir, we remember how that imposter, who's that, who's the imposter? They're referring to Jesus. How that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, they said, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. I thought it already was secure. Not enough for them. After three days, they remembered that Jesus said that he would rise. So make the tomb secure, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And these Jewish leaders, they say, and the last fraud, referring to to this, will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure. Notice this, by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, do y'all see what's going on in this passage? I just said, the Bible just told us that, that Joseph made the tomb secure, but apparently not secure enough for these Jewish leaders because this is crazy. It's been pointed out that these unbelieving Jews, they remembered that Jesus said he would rise from death on the third day. (laughs) <laughs> these unbelievers remembered, but his own disciples forgot. How many of y'all know that's a picture of us? That's why we need to be reminded constantly of who Jesus is and what, he, what he's done for us. The unbelievers remembered. Now, they didn't really believe that he would rise from death, but they remembered what Jesus said. And presumably, many of the others had forgotten, or they were just running in disbelief because of Jesus' death and his burial. But, but here, these, these Jewish authorities, they go to Pilate, and they ask for help. The tomb was secure according to what we just read from what Joseph did, but they want want more. They wanna make sure that none of the disciples can get into the tomb to steal the body to make it look like Jesus had risen from death. Does that make sense? So, So they're requesting that an extra layer of security be added to the tomb. And of course, we just read that Pilate granted their requests. So Pilate sent the soldiers, the guards, the Roman soldiers, to guard the entrance, to guard the tomb. And they were told that they, they sealed the stone, they sealed the tomb. Now, let me help you all. When we hear that word seal, okay, we think of things in our own day of what that means, okay? Let me, let me tell you what didn't happen. The guards did not go to the first century Home Depot, get a caulking gun and caulk around the, you know, the, the, the stone, okay? That's not what this means, okay? The Roman soldiers, they took a cord and, and stretched it from one side of the stone to the other to the wall, and, and on, on, the, on the end of the cord, there was a, a, presumably a wax or soft seal that the cord was fastened to that had the emblem, the imprint of the Roman Empire in that seal. And so if anyone were to move the stone, it would, it would pull the cord and break the seal, now, let me, help, let me help this all come together. Number one, even if someone wanted to get into that tomb, no one in his right mind would ever square off and face those Roman guards because it would mean certain death. Those Roman guards, they stood at the tomb with the authority and the power, of the the greatest government on planet earth, the greatest empire, the world had known, the Roman empire. They stood there guarding it. I mean, if you could just picture, you know, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, these weren't just little old dudes. These were probably big, burly Roman soldiers with full authority from Pilate. Are y'all getting the picture? So if anybody wanted in the tomb, well, first they had to deal with these soldiers and nobody's gonna do that. No one in his right mind would face off with them to get through them to the stone to roll it to get into the tomb. But even if someone were able to face off and win the battle over those guards, the next layer is that they would come to the front of the tomb. They would see the cord, and watch this. They would see the cord fastened to that seal, and in the seal, they would see the emblem, they would see the imprint representing Rome, the most powerful government on planet Earth. And they would come face to face with the fact that if, if they rolled that stone and broke that seal, it would mean that they would be broken, that they would be killed because that would be treason against Rome. Does that make sense? So like, I mean, this is like so many layers of security, so many layers of intimidation. That they, 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 they did everything that they could, watch this, to keep the disciples out. Not that, not that they're gonna get into there anyway, but they're doing everything they can to keep these disciples out from stealing the body. Now, these soldiers, the Jews, the Romans, they did everything they could to keep people out. But how many of y'all know? They didn't think it all the way through because it wasn't just about guarding the entrance. It was also about, well, the next morning there was gonna be a grand exit from that tomb, because we know that Jesus rose from death in the tomb and he walked out of the tomb with salvation and deliverance in his hand. They thought about the entrance, but they clearly did not anticipate the grand exit that the Son of God was about to make. Listen how Matthew describes this. In this, this, It's funny, I don't care who you are. Listen to this. Matthew 28, one through seven. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Verse two. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone, breaking the seal, if I can add, and he sat on the stone. Now, are y'all picturing this? I mean, this angel is just showing off. I mean, picture him sitting on the stone. Be like. <laughs> but are y'all picturing this? I mean, y'all, I want you to see this. I've never heard this preached. That's why I'm preaching it. I think this is a great angle to the resurrection. The greatest authority on earth said you can't come in. <laughs> the greatest authority on planet earth set their seal, and on this morning, the highest authority in heaven and on earth defied the Romans and said, you might intimidate some, but you're certainly not gonna intimidate Jesus. You're not gonna intimidate the God of all creation who created the stone. Are y'all with me? This is an act of defiance. This is an act of defiance against Rome. In every unbeliever who would try to keep Jesus' disciples out and Jesus in. Let's keep reading. This angel, his appearance was like lightning. You picturing this? In his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. These big burly guards all of a sudden, well they're very nervous, probably had an anxiety attack and they fell like dead men. And we laugh, but you would have too. You know, someone said that when we think of angels, we think of these big glorious beings that look like they have diapers on. But if you ever see an angel, you'll need a diaper, right? I mean, come on, we're talking about frightening creatures, you know, <laughs> frightening beings. But it says this, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angels said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. I know you seek him, but he's not here. For he has what? He is what? He is what? He's risen, as he what? As he said, "Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There." You will see him. See, I have told you. Do y'all see what's going on here? This is like the greatest showdown, the greatest show-off that's, I think, ever taken place. This is the way that I've written it. The stillness of Sunday morning was interrupted by the greatness of an earthquake. The darkness of the tomb was overcome by the brightness of an angel. The soldiers who guarded the dead became like the dead. And the Roman seal of authority was broken by the power and authority of heaven, reminding us that God has the final word over governments and graves over every government, over every grave, over every situation, no matter what you're sealed in by, no matter what you're dealing with, your God will have the final say in your life. Not the devil, not the darkness, not the depression, not sin or the consequences thereof. Your God will have the final say. Your God, my God, will have the final say. Some people act like, you know, there's the devil and there's God, they're kind of battling, we'll see who wins. No, we know if you read your Bible, you'll see who wins. You'll see who's winning now. Even on Saturday, when hope was decaying, God already had a plan. And on that Sunday morning, the angel descended and defied the power of Rome. Those big burly guards fell on the ground at the sight of the angel. Other accounts say angels, at the sight of heaven, earth trembled. Do you see what happened? The stone rolled. The seal broke. And Jesus rose victorious over death. His and yours. His and yours. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you feel sealed in by something, in bondage to something, overcome by something right now in your life as a believer? Do you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place? Sometimes Christians talk about God in such a way that makes me, and I don't say this out loud, but I'm thinking, your God, as I hear him speak, is a pitiful God. How many of y'all know we don't serve a pitiful God? Amen. Our God doesn't need sympathy. Our God deserves honor and praise. Some people's God, it's like they're trying to, does he have the power? I think he does, the Bible. but We sometimes live like our God has a power problem. How many of y'all know he doesn't? He never has, and he never will. Do you feel? Like you are in bondage. Maybe you are. Maybe there's a sin pattern in your life. Maybe there's a hopeless situation that you are facing. Let me, on this Easter 1158 morning, say, your God and my God, He is a seal-breaking, stone-rolling God. Hallelujah. You don't have to clap, but it's true whether you acknowledge it or not. It's true whether anybody acknowledge, it's true. Breaking seals, rolling stones, calling the devil out, punching him in the throat, defeating his his plans working all things for good, not just the good, but the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it works together for our good if we love him and been called according to his purposes. Don't get me started, y'all. Because I'm trying to finish. Are y'all with me? Coffins are sealed for now. Caskets, let me use sealing in a different way. Caskets are sealed shut right now. But one day, Casket's gonna fly open, fling open. Jesus is coming back, Yay. the risen Lord of all creation is coming back. Yes. Did he come the first time? Did he? He did. Did he do what God said he would do? Yes. Did he fulfill prophecy? Did he die? Was he buried? And did he rise in accordance with the scriptures? then we as believers can rest assured that he will come again. And when he comes again, it won't be on a donkey with peace. It'll be on a white horse to make war. And your God, my God, your Jesus and my Jesus will have the final say over death, hell and the grave and over every enemy you'll ever face because he's gone before you and has categorically defeated everything that you'll ever face. Hallelujah. And I hear some people talk about God and it's like, I'm like, do you read the Bible? Do you know who your God is and what he's pulled off? You don't serve a pitiful God, you serve a powerful God. You don't serve a pitiful Jesus, you serve a powerful Jesus. Paul says that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose and he appeared. Thank God he appeared. The tomb was empty, but He appeared, he appeared. Stick with me, we're almost done. Matthew 28, eight and nine says this. So they, the women, departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. You would have too, huh? Like scared out of your mind, but like smiling the whole time. Like, how does that work? Like, you know, like half your face is smiling, the other part's like in fear, I mean, this is crazy. And and they, 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 it says, departed from the tomb this way and ran to tell his disciples, verse nine, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. (laughs) I mean, I'm not laughing at Jesus. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you're back, Jesus, you know. What What a greeting, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. They did what was fitting to do before. The king. They didn't fall down at the feet of Pilate or at the feet of Caesar. They fell down at the feet of the risen Lord of all creation and they grabbed a hold of him. Which Matthew's attention to detail, saying that they took hold of his feet, reminds us that this wasn't a vision. This wasn't just some obscure appearance. This wasn't Jesus, uh, dead body propped up. Some of y'all are old enough to remember uh, the the movie, Weekend at Bernie's. Y'all remember that? Young people, you have no idea, you can Google it later. You won't remember anything I said about Paul, but you'll remember Weekend at Bernie's. That's that's the way it works for this stuff. (laughs) This wasn't a dead body propped up. This was Jesus fully alive. They grabbed a hold of him, fully God, fully man, fully alive. They grabbed a hold of his divinity and his humanity. They grabbed a hold of the feet of the risen king. Do you see this? Oh, what a story. Then Jesus said to them, Matthew 28:10, do not be afraid. Easy for Jesus to say, right? Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will what? They will what? See me. Oh, why? Because Jesus died, he was buried, he rose, but he what? He would appear. He appeared, he appeared. He appeared to the women. He appeared to others. He appeared to Cephas, he appeared to Peter. He appeared to to the 500, more than 500, who are alive at one right there with him at one time. Jesus appeared. To James, his half-brother, who at first didn't believe but later came to believe, Jesus appeared. He appeared in a unique way to Saul on the road to Damascus. He appeared to this, this man who was not his friend. This was his enemy who was persecuting the church. The risen Lord appeared to Saul, to Paul, and we know that the rest of the story. This man who persecuted Jesus became one of the greatest friends of Jesus. How many of you know that's what happens when you see him for who he is? You want to become his best friend. You want to grab a hold of his feet and you don't want to let go when you realize who he is. What a story. He died, he was buried, he rose, and he appeared. He appeared. And some of Jesus' disciples, first disciples, some of them died for their faith in Jesus. They died because of their commitment to Jesus. But just a question, would they have done so, would they have died if Jesus were still dead? Would they have died gruesome deaths for a hoax? Answer, it's been pointed out that many people have died for things that they believe to be true, but are really false. I mean, if y'all can think of some examples throughout history. People have believed something's totally true, in reality, it's false. But no man in his right mind would die for something that he knows is false. In other words, the disciples, some of them died because of their commitment to Jesus under persecution. But they didn't die for a dead man, they died for a risen, resurrected, very much fully alive Savior, and his name is Jesus. They died for the one who is very much alive. They lived for him. They gave their lives for him because they knew from firsthand experience that he was indeed risen. Oh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, resurrection is not just something that God does. Resurrection is who Jesus is. Like he can't help himself. He is the resurrection and the life. And they knew it and they died for it. And you, you can live for Jesus and you can die for Jesus. Because your Jesus is not in the tomb. He wasn't devoured by dogs. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning the universe by His authority and power. Listen, give your life to Jesus. Grab a hold of His feet and don't let go. Grab a hold of Him this Easter. He is the resurrected King of all creation. But do you acknowledge Him as such? Some did, some didn't. As we conclude, I've written. There are always, there will always be people who go out of their way to bury the truth, to suppress the truth, who deny the truth even though it's right there in front of them. There are people like that in life And there are people like that in the text. Let's wrap up with this and read. Matthew 28, 11 through 15. While they were going, behold, some of the guard, the Roman guard, went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place at the tomb, if I could add. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people the following, his disciples came by night and stole Jesus away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, cause they'd be in big trouble for this happening. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. We'll pay him off. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this very day. Do you see what's going on here? In other words, these Jewish leaders, they paid the guards to lie. Go tell people, and I could just hear them, go tell people that, yeah, what happened was you, you guys, you fell asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you fell asleep, and while you're asleep, the disciples came (laughs) and stole the body. Go, go, Go tell people that, and so they did. But time out, if I heard that message, If I heard that the guards telling me that they appointed by Pilate fell asleep on the job, knowing that it could be their very lives for doing so, I would have questioned that greatly, how about y'all? You're telling me, you big burly soldiers appointed by Pilate to guard the tomb, you fell asleep? Okay, let's go with it. Okay, I don't, I'm not buying it, but okay. Here's the next thing I would have said. Guards, by your own admission, you said, okay, y'all fell asleep, and while you were asleep, the disciples stole the body. Is that right? That's right. Just a question. How would they know it was the disciples who, who stole the body if they were asleep? Is that a fair question? How would you know? And what I'm about to say, I mean with love, it's not gonna sound that way, but it's just true. This, This is truth and love, grace all mixed together. It's just true. Sin makes you do stupid stuff. Sin can make you stupid. Sin will make you fabricate things. Sin will cause you to bury the truth. Sin will cause you to run from the light. Sin will cause you, wraps around you and keeps you in darkness and the light's right in front of you. I wouldn't buy it. Let's be honest, it doesn't make sense, does it? I'll let you decide. But it doesn't make sense to me that the guards fell asleep and that the disciples stole the body. That doesn't make sense. But I will, I will, I will admit this. (laughs) Somebody did rob the grave that Sunday morning. But it wasn't the disciples, it was God only. Who said, will the real Savior please stand to your feet? (laughs) And that morning, your God and my God robbed that grave when he raised Jesus from the dead. The seal broke, the stone rolled, and your resurrected Messiah walked out with the keys of death in his hand, with your salvation in his hand, and today he is alive. He's alive. Your God. How many of y'all know, we serve a seal-breaking, stone-rolling God? And I know this from my own experience because in my teenage years into my early 20s, I was stuck. I was in bondage to so many things, addicted to so many things it was like i was in a tomb of darkness and i could not see the light of day i was spiritually dead but i'll never forget in the month of august of 2000 through the preaching of the word through faithful men and women who told me the truth about who jesus is i heard I heard the message and through the word of God, Jesus appeared to me as he really is, as my savior and the one who can deliver me from everything that I'll ever face. And in August of 2000, God called me by my name through the preaching of the word. And my heart came alive. The stone rolled, the seal broke. I came out fully alive and fully forgiven. And here I am all these years later, preaching to you fine people on this Easter Sunday. How many of y'all know only God can do that? Only God can do that. Come on, y'all, we serve a seal breaking, stone rolling God. And I don't care how dark it is for you, how depressing it is for you, how much bondage you're in, the grace and the power in Christ is greater than the sin in you. It's just true. But you must believe. You must believe. You must grab a hold of his feet. You must grab a hold of him and never let go. Let me ask you a question and we're done. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that all authority and power is his? Do you believe that he is our God and King? If you do, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to reach out and grab his feet right now in your mind. Reach out. Let's lift our hands. Just grab, grab a hold of Jesus. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He is risen. He is King. He is Lord. He is God over all. Grab a hold of Him on this Easter. Grab a hold of Him right now. Grab a hold of Him with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. Some of you, 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 need, you need the authority of heaven. You need someone, you need someone to come and break that seal over your life, to roll that stone. And there's no one on earth who can do it, but there is one from heaven, the God-man who came from heaven to the earth, to cancel the curse, to overcome death, and there's nothing impossible for him. And so now I want you to reach out and grab a hold of the one who can do anything by faith. Grab a hold of him. Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you need a miracle in your health. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need a miracle in one of those areas. Just whatever it is, grab a hold of him right now by faith. Say, Jesus, I'm, I'm holding on to you. If you never do another thing for me, you've already you've already done more than I deserve. I'm holding on to you because you, King Jesus, you're worthy. I just want you. Come on, grab him, right? Reach out for him. Grab a hold of him now. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I know that some of you came in today, and I'm so super glad you're here. But you came just because it's a tradition. It's the right thing to do on Easter, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you're in church. But listen carefully with your eyes closed. You might be in church, but that doesn't really mean that you're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful you're here. But God wants you. He wants you. But you must have faith in Christ Repent, forsake your sin And turn to him And it doesn't matter what you've done Or it doesn't matter where you've been It doesn't matter how much you've blown it It doesn't matter how great the darkness is for you There is hope, there is light, there is life There is forgiveness in Christ And if that's you, you say Pastor God. I need Jesus I need him I've been in church, but I'm not really in, in a relationship with God through him. I, I I want him. If you want your sins forgiven, so that you can have fellowship with God and the promise of heaven. On the count of three, I'm going to just ask you just to slip up your hand. No one's looking around. No one's going to call you out or embarrass you. But this is, just, this is you doing business with God. With your eyes closed right now and your heads bowed. On the count of three, if you say, Pastor God, I want to begin that relationship today on Easter Sunday. Slip up your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. That's let's Say, that's me, Pastor God. Raise your hand right now. Let me see your hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God sees you. I see you. I see you. I see you, my friend. Thank you. I see you. God sees. God sees. And God knows. If your hand's lifted, That means that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That's what that means, if your hand's up. But you reaching out for the feet of Jesus saying, Jesus, you're my Messiah, you're my savior. You can put your hands down, if that's you, if you raise your hand. I'm gonna give you a prayer. It's really a confession, it's really what it is. It's not magic. They're, they're words that verbalize, that help you verbalize what's going on in your heart right now. Because you believe in the heart, but you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is. And so come on, come on Midtown family, you've done this before, maybe dozens of times. I want you to do it again with me today and with all who have their hand raised. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this prayer. And those of you who raised your hand, I want you to say it with me if you mean these lines. Come on, Midtown, join in with me. Let's say this boldly on Easter. Say this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. Say this with me, and I believe you rose from death to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, in relationship with your Father. Say this today, Lord Jesus. I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, I grab a hold of you. I grab a hold of your feet now, and I pray that you would never let me go, because I'm never gonna let you go. Say this with me finally, I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and thank God, heaven is now my home, and it's in the wonderful, powerful, majestic name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with Everyone today? who just said that prayer. That's